This is Father Joseph Anthony Kress. And this is Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic. Welcome to God's Planning. Thanks to all who support us. If you enjoy this show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to God's Planning wherever you listen to your podcasts. Well, Father Jacob Bertrand, we are back at it. Here uh, we are. Look at us. Look at us. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. And I'm excited about today's episode because... Um, this episode is coming out of, honestly, a great discussion um, from one of our retreats earlier this year. Yeah, uh, it was a topic and uh, something that you presented, but led to fantastic discussions uh, with the retreatants throughout the rest of the conference or the retreat, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Um, so today, what we're talking about is the the capital vice of envy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's many different forms or it's kind of contemporary way that it rises up in this society. But it is something that is extremely, uh, I think, kind of misunderstood, too. So yeah. as we dive into envy, like if you could just give us a, a baseline, like what is the understanding of the, the capital vice that is envy? Yeah. So to get a sense of, of like what envy is, we have to look at the spiritual tra- tradition as a whole and, yeah, and yeah. where where the spiritual tradition tradition, the Catholic tradition comes from is sort of part and parcel. Uh, they, they come together, or at least they the deadly sins and like tradition uh, uh, that is like the Catholic spiritual life, they mm-hmm. kind of rise together out of the desert tradition. Mm-hmm. So we look back like first centuries of the church, even before monasticism or religious life was established, you had these, the desert fathers who went out to the desert to escape the world, to live a, a life devoted to sort of penance, Right, they had like these weird penances, the basket weaving, and like standing on poles. Yeah, exactly. Like the most ridiculous one. Yeah, like like, these weird things. But they were all aimed at like unity with Christ and removing distraction from everything else. So you have people like Evagrius and um, Pacomius too. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Right, a little bit later, and then all, but probably most popularly known, John Cashin. who kind of brought this desert. John Cashin in particular brought this like desert wisdom back to Europe, really. And it was in that where from Evagrius and, and then Cash and where you had this development of these ideas of these deadly vices mm. and or these capital sins, as they later became called. And there were seven of them or there are seven of them as, as they've been distilled through the tradition. And of the seven, there, there's what? Lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy. That's our topic today. Mm-hmm. And pride. Yeah. Um, and if you look at, as the centuries went by, Gregory the Great talked about these in a particular way, and then St. Thomas does, of course, in the Summa, mm-hmm. and Thomas relies on the tradition of Gregory yeah. and Cassian. So this is where it's coming from. And one of the things that, and the sort of theme here, there's two with the capital vices, sins, deadly sins. One is that um, the, the Desert Fathers saw that, like, penances were good to... Um, to what like fight external temptations yeah, yeah, yeah. so you would like fast so as to like deal with like external temptations mm-hmm. against lust for example yeah. but there also needed to be spiritual exercises to weed out like these spiritual vices so that's one and then they're called capital vices because they're, they're not so much sins they can be sins in themselves right but um they're they engender sinful behavior yeah so if we look like lust well you can say i sinned against lust but like lust creates a way of living a lustful way of living right right right. and the same way the virtues do right you Mm -hmm. live a a chaste life you can do chaste things but it's also a whole way of living so think of this in like the 
the bad side of it. Yeah. So yeah. we start there, at least generally. Mm-hmm. There's there's capital vices and and they're the kind of photo negative of the virtues. Yeah, it's right? a good way to put it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they do have these like daughter vices yeah. that that fall underneath those categories, and that's yep. that's why you know they're called capital because they're they're head, but then from those spawn all these other little vices. And so um, that's kind of like the quick overview of, of what we're looking at. But let's let's dive into envy, envy yeah. you know, because it's I, I this is my own personal thoughts and feelings. Of it, but I think it's probably one of the greater um, or mo- the more confused of these capital vices. So when we're talking about envy, you know, in the tradition, what do they actually hone in on? So what does it actually end up uh, getting? Uh, explained as yeah so we can look at we'll look at two at least for the sake of two people for for right now we'll look at cashin one of the desert you know the the guys in this desert tradition and then thomas mm-hmm. so cashin when he talks about when he talks about envy he talks about envy and he does in a, a numerous places so like setting one place it's kind of a theme here of, mm-hmm. of the desert fathers so it's not you can look in one place but well, just do a general thing, right? Cashin understands envy as what he calls like a food of the mind that mm. corrupts um, that corrupts the mind, um, and it is a, a sort of it, he talks about becoming wretched or miserable in the face of another pros- another's prosperity or goodness. Ooh, um, okay. So yeah, it's rough there, right? He's, he's, not, jo- <laughs> he's not joking about it. Um, so it's it's a vice. It's a way envy changes the way you see reality, according to Cashin particularly in light of looking at somebody else, a good that somebody else enjoys or has mm-hmm. and, and and it makes you miserable or wretched yeah right so then thomas talks about the seven and envy being one of them as capital sins this is where we yeah. get from the deadly sins to capital sins and he talks about envy as a sadness mm. at another's good right so we can look at the world around us I could look at you and say like, oh, you're good at X, Y, and Z, and that's great. Thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, all yeah. of that. Not A, B, and Z, just X, Y, and Z. Just X, Y, and Z, that's yeah, all yeah. I got. <laughs> that's right, yeah, just three. Um, so you're good at, good at these things, and we have options of, I have options of how I want to, to react to that. I could say like, that's awesome, mm-hmm. good for him. You know, I could say, I don't really care. Like, there can be indifference. That's not envy. You know, mm. uh, or even saying like, I wish I were good. Like, like I, you know, you're or like, if you were a great basketball player, like, oh gosh, I wish I had those skills and I could like work to have them. Not as a way of like, that makes me sad, but that like inspires me. That's yeah. not envy either. But if I looked at your great basketball skills and was like uh, upset by that, like mm-hmm. that made me sad. And then because it's a capital vice, right? It inspires me to behave differently towards you. I, I might gossip about you to ruin your name. I might take joy when you when you have a bad game, mm-hmm. you know, like those kind of things. When I become sad that you have something that I want, that's envy. That's what we're talking about. That's what Cashin's talking about. That's what Thomas is talking about. That's what we're talking about today. But that's what the tradition is, is telling us. Um, it's a grief at another's good. And then it makes us, um, it makes us act in ways that are destructive yeah. towards yeah, us yeah. and others. Yeah. So that that's what we're talking about, really. That is, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that kind of definition, that understanding changes things for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, because I, I think far too often envy is just approached as jealousy, mm-hmm. right? But when you start to look at it within the tradition, understand that it's it's grief, it's sadness yeah. at another's goodness. Right. That, that, that is so kind of... Um, counter our experience with god right whose goodness is diffusive of itself yep. so then to be saddened of somebody else's goodness which means how they are 
maybe glorifying the Lord, right? It's sad of their goodness of maybe how they are making God known in this world is in that way really a, a, an offense against the Creator. Yeah. Uh, and that that that's really kind of earth shattering sometimes. That it's not just uh, the sadness, but it's it's true grief yep. of another's goodness, um, and and that can be really like like you were talking about. It can be so destructive because then it, it engenders all these other sins about detraction and gossip and and all those things. And uh, we both know how many t- how many times we're in sitting in the confessional and we hear all these daughter virtues and we're trying to tie them all together and say actually you're probably struggling with a little bit of envy yep. you know um, and to to kind of hone in on that that it's that sadness at another's goodness uh, which is different than just sadness at another's like success too and that that has its own flavor to it but when you actually boil down when we're talking about envy it's it's a sadness of another's goodness being made manifest and maybe your engagement with that so um we don't want to be sad at each other we, we actually want to encourage and, and rejoice with each other yeah uh which is which is something that's exciting i think something that's actually specifically christian but that's for later down down the road um but let's let's talk about and i know one of the one of the big things that you uh kind of spoke about on our retreat which i was so happy that you did but starting starting to bring envy into the kind of contemporary context yep so like how does that look in kind of our current engagement with it because we we're not all in the desert and we're not all like weaving baskets just to destroy them that's right yeah. uh, if you are um you probably need good to talk you. to somebody oh, that's uh, good for you, but. you know uh but let, let how's it translate into this modern society in this contemporary context yeah i i think the crux there and i think you're well first i think you're exactly right in that we can look sometimes like we can read things like spiritual authors or yeah. things from yeah, a yeah. T- particular time period or whatever and think like yeah there's some modicum of truth there and i could see what they're getting at or like i don't get it at all or like this what i'm describing now like yeah i kind of get it but mm-hmm. how do am i i'm not like like you said i'm not weaving baskets in the day like it's it just might be harder to to relate um but i think the key the key sort of thing that keeps the these deadly sins especially well envy that we're talking about relevant mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah relevant and, and contemporary is is not so much like a definition from Cashin or aquinas but this idea that they put forth in that that it that it augments reality mm. not that it augments that it augments our perception of reality right. yeah, yeah like yeah. it doesn't change what is but it changes it's our important. perception yeah. of it and therefore our interaction with it mm-hmm. so what i like to think about here is okay to keep this kind of fresh not to change it but to keep it fresh in our minds is i like to talk about envy less as envy and more as comparison because you mentioned like being in the confessional right and hearing this under different lights and um i don't think you need to hear confessions to to have this experience like we can just talk with our friends with people that we know and um or even like our own experiences and and look at the way we behave and like yikes i acted out in this way um what like i i drank too much well well like why Mm -hmm. well because like perhaps i looked at somebody else and like I'm disappointed that I'm not that. Like it's tough to deal with me sometimes. Me dealing with me. So this kind of numbs it. Like we do these behaviors, or um, like when we go to pray around other people, we go to make a holy hour, and, and like we're constantly looking at what other people have, and then we're discouraged Ooh. by going. You know, they pray so Dude. well, or they look. You know, spiritual envy. It's real. It's, it's real. It's one of those things that is is so subtle. Gosh, is it subtle? But it it really is um, something that can can destroy. 
a healthy prayer life. It can destroy one's relationships with each other and one's relationships with God. So yep. I'm so happy you brought that up because that's that's probably one of the areas I see it most um uh, I don't know, explicit is that kind of spiritual envy of right. maybe I need to pray harder. I need to do what they're doing or, or have that type of relationship. Yep. And that's not necessarily the case. So I know I jumped in there and I know you're like, good. I, no, I, you're, I went it's on great. A, a whole another thing. But, but it's, this, yeah, it's like, this thing of reality yeah, um, yeah. that you're describing. And I think and in my thinking about this, of like, okay, what does this do? What does, how does envy distorts the mind when I see, or yeah, it, it affects the mind such that my perception of reality is distorted when I see a good that somebody else has mm-hmm. or that I think they have, mm-hmm. right? How I perceive it. So I, in thinking about that, I think there are like four kind of connected one, two, like sequential things, pitfalls that go with comparison and envy. Okay. And yeah. let's, yeah, we'll talk about that. Let's break it briefly. Yeah. Great, perfect. So the first is that it's a distraction from God. Yeah. And this is primary. It's first because it's first on my list that I've made up, but it's also <laughs> primary because it's what the Christian life is about. Yeah. Right. That we're focused on God. Come whatever mm-hmm. that our focus is on God. And we can, I often think here of, of St. Peter. Um, and when when the when the apostles were in the boat and Christ came out to them on the on on the sea when he walked on on the sea and during the storm, like Peter, our Lord invited Peter into the storm. He didn't calm the storm at first. He invited Peter into it to be there with him where where Christ was in yeah. the storm, um, and Peter could be there with him so long as what so long as he focused on Christ. When he began to become panicked and look at the waves and look at the storm, and be, that's when he began to sink. Now, Christ still reached out his hand and lifted him up, but it's this, it's this focus on God that helps us. So envy is a distraction from God, right? Because the whole of our lives is supposed to be about God perfecting us, uh, but we have to be there. We have to be there. And when we enter into this envy, um, it's, it's, uh, it's a comparison. It's, a, it's comparison that becomes this distraction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're now focused on, okay, Father Joseph Anthony, he's doing this and I'm not. So, well, who am I thinking about now? Yeah. Father Joseph Anthony or yeah, me. Really. Yeah. But not That's, God. I mean, I, I love, there's so much to pull away out of that story of uh, Jesus inviting Peter to walk on the water. But you're like, he invited him into the storm, but he got distracted by the waves and all that. I and mean, that's exactly what this envy is, to get distracted. Right. And thus, we're not focused on Jesus. Yeah. And that is, I mean, as you're talking about that, it's like, oh my goodness, that's, we've talked about this how many times, but like to make that connection, to see that it's by getting distracted by the things that are kind of assaulting or, or attacking, you know, the waves are, I don't think uh, they were small waves. Yeah, it was I'm, a I'm storm. Say, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was a, a big one. It was a big one. But to see how those distractions and how envy does take it, it and I think you meant this, like it augments our perceptions of reality so that the distractions become larger than that's what they true. are. Yeah. And God becomes smaller. Yep. And that's problematic. That's true. Um, so understanding that one of the kind of pitfalls of envy or how it's shown is that when you're constantly distracted or constantly looking at other things that are like not being related back to the Lord or being related back to your relationship with him, that that can be like horribly, horribly detrimental. Yeah. So, all right. And that leads to two, right? That leads to two, that to enter into this world of comparison, we have to become like the creators of that world, right? That we have to kind of set the parameters of what like goodness is. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have to sort of like comparison in order to compare in this kind of negative way. And I'm not saying you can't like make real comparisons about things, but to be sucked into the vice, right? It means that I have to say like, this is actually 
what I think is good. And now this person is either doing it or not, and I'm reacting to it. Um, because if we were actually looking at what the reality is, we would rejoice in goodness, mm -hmm. you know? But yeah. like here, I've set up my standards of if people do A, B, and C, that means they're good. This person has A and B, and I have C, and I'm jealous of A and B, you know? But yeah. like I've set up what A, B, and C are, or at least like holiness on holiness is A, B, and C. Well, mm -hmm. maybe it is, and maybe it isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm the arbiter of goodness and, and these kind of things. And again, this is a, a distortion of reality. Yeah, it's that kind of um, who's setting the criteria for these right. judgments. You, you kind of threw it out there, but I, I want to circle back to that is the fact that like because we are rational beings, we have an intellect and that's a gift. Like we end up making um, comparisons all the time. It's yeah. part of our intellectual capacity. Yeah. You know, I don't think uh, animals do that. Right. It's, it's it's specific of those that have an intellect is to make that kind of comparison and to to render judgments. Yeah. Um, but then it, the follow up question that is, well, uh, how are you judging? Right. You know, are you judging in accord with created reality as intended by the creator or are you judging, comparing what is good and what is not to what you think? Right. And we can get into, you know, I'm, I'm sure I, I'm. I know we have episodes on this. Maybe we should do more. I don't know. But uh, aspects of relativism. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, that's always in the background, if not on the foreground of a relativistic society, is how insidious envy is in that. Because you're positing your own criteria on what is good and what is not. And so now I'm comparing according to me. Yeah. And that's what this is all about. Me. So. Yeah. And then that that that's the third point here, right? So the first is distraction from God. The second is I have to set up the terms yeah. of like mm -hmm. reality. The third corresponds to the second in that like we always have insufficient knowledge of of like the whole of something that we're mm -hmm. looking at, whether that's another person, whether that's like what another person is doing, whether that you know whatever it means. Like we could look at somebody who's make who looks super pious in a holy hour. <laughs> and think I wish I could just be attentive like that yeah. you have no idea what's going on in their mind you have no idea you have no idea yeah. and you know hopefully it's holy and great thing but you have no clue no. you really don't and even when you do have ideas of things even with people that you know better there's still insufficient knowledge mm -hmm. to like and this is why like this is I, I I'm kind of reticent to say like we shouldn't no I'm always reticent to say but to talk about this I'm reticent like that we shouldn't judge yeah um, judge not lest you not be judged well what is the Lord talking about he's not because like you said we're human beings so like that's how we function. Mm -hmm. We perceive something, we judge whether or not it's good, and we go after it. And our Lord is saying, don't make judgments. You should know them by their fruit. Like, this is right. how we, we judge. But it's like the state of one's soul that we, you know, that we're not to judge. Right. So we ought not, like, bring that into our comparison game, you know? Well, um, if I remember correctly, now this is... Uh this is me not being a scripture scholar and definitely not being a linguist. You know my skills and languages. Okay, there it is. That that's that's what I wanted to see. But if I remember correctly, the the translation is not judge, but condemn. Condemn okay. not, so that yeah. you not be condemned. And that changes it, right? That certainly changes it. That certainly changes it. Yeah. But I understand you're reticent for that. You know, saying, well, we have insufficient knowledge, so we shouldn't judge. But getting back to what we we launched off with, right? What is envy? Sorrow at another's goodness. Mm. So not that we say like we have insufficient knowledge so that we shouldn't judge. It's actually we have insufficient knowledge because we shouldn't be that grief stricken at another's good. 
Right. Like when we see or when we start to compare, like let us not be grief stricken because we don't know the entirety of a thing. So let's see the good that we see and rejoice in that, but let us not then uh, dive into anything else. Right. Um, yeah, and I think this brings us, well, it does, bring yeah. us to the fourth and final point. So distraction from God, we create the parameters that's based on insufficient knowledge. The fourth is that we end up in this still distortion of reality, is that we no longer engage with real human beings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, again, it's <laughs> yeah. on our terms, and we set up the... Per- so people become sort of figments not totally, but in part of our like imagination of our fantasy of mm-hmm. whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, um, people become less people, less of a person and more as sort of an object that we use to compare. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't engage with the reality of a person. We engage with our perception of the person. Well, it's not we engage with the perception, but we engage with the character that we created right. in our head. Yeah. You, you know, you, you use the line in there and I was, kind of super happy you did that but it's like we live in a fantasy yeah and that might be a whole nother theme um i haven't really thought about but i picked up during that retreat was the fact that so many of these capital vices force us into a fantastical way of life yeah and not a real engagement with creation and a real engagement with the other or god himself right well ultimately yeah yeah god himself you know the person who we most create a fantasy with and then we wonder why we're disappointed when we when we think god's not giving us what we need well no god's not giving us what you want in this sort of yeah fanciful kind of thing Mm -hmm. now i don't think we all live in a total fantasy but the vice is a vice for a reason you Mm -hmm, know like mm -hmm. this is something that we deal with in our own kind of ways so yeah um you mentioned a few maybe we got just a few minutes left rolling in here you know you know under 10 but you mentioned how there are some kind of concrete steps maybe that if you are a person that struggles with envy, you're a person that struggles with sorrow at another's goodness. Um, if there's in there like, yep, that's me. I got that. Like what advice do you give? You know, what, what kind of concrete steps can you say? Okay, let's start to roll that back a little bit now and, and step into it. Yeah. So I think the, the, the remedy, um, is, is just, uh, this is perhaps not like the best kind of answer because, I'm giving the answer just as the contrary to what I've said is, is the, the illness, as it were, right? So um, the illness being a sort of fantasy. So I think the remedy is entering back into reality, mm. especially with like ourselves, because this is the comparison game is me versus whatever, mm-hmm. right? So it's entering, I think, a reality, too, of what I am, uh, of who I am, mm-hmm. um, and to recognize uh, that that I am you know, a beloved son of the father. Yep. Uh, and, and that's it. And like you said, our Lord, you know, the father is sort of like this rejoicing at goodness, not the sorrow at good. Like this is the point of creation right. of my existence. <laughs> um, and, and sort of praying for and remembering that like God's love for us is unconditional. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, uh, yeah, holiness is not a conditional thing. Like if you're only, you know, if, like I said before that ABC, like you only have C on that list. If you, get a and b then somehow like god will love you like god will make you that's like that's not the point so okay what do i say more concretely i think two virtues stand out here to counteract and Mm -hmm. one is humility that's usually attached as the remedy to pride but i think it's helpful here um and the other is gratitude um so humility why well it's just like reality with respect to ourselves (laughs) yeah that's what it is right humility is not the the sort of 
beating up of oneself, but it's recognizing that who I am, that I'm not God and that God is God, really. Like, yeah. I, I think a super yeah, yeah. simple way to approach it. So, yeah, we can practice ways of humility. I think, I don't remember who, I'm sure it was at some point in formation yeah, that we were told, I'm like, sure. don't pray for humiliating things. Like, humility will come on its own. Like, careful what you wish for <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Um, we can pray to be made holy, but I don't know, I'd caution, like, don't pray to be humiliated. Like, yeah, you know, careful yeah. what you wish I, for. I have, I have hot takes. I'm not a big fan of the litany of humility for a variety of reasons. Uh, no, I'm not going down that road. <laughs> but yeah, you don't, you, you really don't encourage people to pray for humility because then they, they wonder why, like, they get humbled real quick. Yeah. And anyway, that's that's a whole nother issue. But to to be able to recognize and, and to re, like reconnect with yourself yeah. in, in the reality of it, yeah. like, oh my gosh, I have strengths, I have weaknesses, that's okay. Right. And th there's a beauty in that yeah. too. Um, so, okay, so humility was the first one. Gratitude okay. is the second. So yeah, I think at least with humility, last thing, humility, last thing I'll say about that is like, yeah, pray for like, I think the, the ability to live humbly. Mm. rather than to be humiliated, right? <laughs> okay, Okay. Yeah. great. Um, gratitude, why gratitude? Well, because we have to take stock of who we are okay. to live in reality. Yeah. And that includes like the gifts and the good things that God has given each of us. And if we're unable to recognize like how it is that we contribute to the kingdom um, and to the building of the kingdom, yeah. then like, of course, we're going to look at other people and say like, well, I wish I had that. But when we do that, again, we're ignoring the, like the talents, the gifts, the beauty, the beautiful things that our Lord has given each of us uniquely to us mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. that he wants to use in his bringing souls to him. So I think like, yeah, we, we, we're often encouraged to like make a, um, like an examination of conscience yeah. and the things that in the ways that we failed, but like an examination of gratitude might totally. also be something to incorporate into into our prayer, into our I've, lives. Um, I've encouraged a lot of our students to do uh, examination of gratitude. Like just yeah. every day, write down three things that you're thankful for for that mm -hmm. 24 hours. Um, another piece of advice that maybe incorporates both uh, that I would throw out there, and I don't know if it's it's worth it or not, but we'll find out. Um, it's kind of dangerous, but I, I would I would say don't be afraid because when we're talking about envy and we're talking about the sorrow at another pe person's goodness, a lot of times that's rooted in this like misperception that you don't have goodness. Yeah, you know, right. That you yourself are not good, and that you're looking at everybody else's with sorrow because they have something that you don't. Um, so I I would say that it's it's okay and maybe a laudable exercise to ask a trusted friend the simple question of what is good about me? You know, if you're struggling with your own goodness and- Yeah, it takes and, a little courage, but why not? Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and if they're a trusted friend, if you would trust their advice on anything, like, hey, what's this business decision? Where should I go on vacation? Um, you know, w what prayers do you recommend? But you trust them on all these other aspects. You ask that simple question, what's good about me? You gotta trust their response. And I've found a lot with students, young adults, but really it's kind of just, all over the place, I found that people don't know their own goodness. Yeah. And it takes a third party, another voice to be able to speak that to them. And that often doesn't happen. So they just don't believe they're good. Yeah. It festers. It festers. Yeah. And um, that's where, if you're bold enough to have that courage to say, hey, I'm, I'm kind of struggling, but like, not as this weird like hey just affirm me you know all that kind of stuff but yeah. to be able to like ask that as an honest and legitimate question of like hey you know just what's good about me and and trust that response um on the 
kind of maybe that was 1A, but like the 1B side, I think we need to do a better job of telling people their own goodness. So when you see goodness in somebody else, to speak to it. Yeah. Right? Je- like authentic affirmation yeah, kind of thing. Just like that is so fantastic. Like that is such a beautiful thing. Like I love that your laugh. Like it's it's infectious. Like keep laughing that way. You know, just little things like that can just do a world of, of good to just slowly build up people in their comfortability with goodness. Yeah. So that when they encounter their own goodness, they're not afraid of it. But also when they encounter somebody else's goodness, that they don't become sad. And yep. don't become, you know, that the down roll down that envious path, and then we lead to distraction, di- detraction, gossip, and distraction. And distraction. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, any last words? What else you got on envy? Any last things and partying shots and things like that you got? I think that we have to be okay with, I don't know, with not having exactly what everybody else does. <laughs> yeah. We live in a culture in a world that, like, in, to to be validated, we have to be the same like we have to have the same phone mm-hmm. and like the mm-hmm. same kind of nice car and but it's like and i have to be the same sort of level of success it's just like if if that's what we you know fine like if you yeah. want to be competitive and like naturally like good like yeah and those sort of things but like if that's the sole source of our worth it's like we're always gonna lose uh-huh. um yep. so just to reiterate like the things that you said like yeah we should take stock of the good things that we have and 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 if that requires like a conversation with or conversations with friends and stuff we should we should treat each other well mm-hmm. in order to like i was gonna say journey along the way together <laughs> that's a little cliche but you know you know what i mean as if yeah. you were like on a pilgrimage or on the camino or anything like that right oh yeah that oh, was yeah. a while ago now. i know i'm trying but... to forget <laughs> <laughs> it's all good it's all good so uh, thank you uh, so much for listening to this episode of God's Planning. Uh, please follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like this episode, subscribe on YouTube or on your podcast app, and please leave a five-star review for us. Uh, if you'd like to donate to the podcast through Patreon, follow the link in the description or the show notes. There you can also find links to our shop for our merchandise, as well as to get information on upcoming God's planning in-person events that we're hosting. So thank you very much for listening. And I always say, please share this episode with those that you think would benefit from it. This one might be a little uh, dangerous if you share that with somebody that you think might be struggling with envy. So I'll leave that up to you. But thank you for listening and sharing. Know that we are praying for you uh, and please keep praying for us. God bless.